0: You're listening to Key Conversations for Leaders. This is episode number 58. Hey everybody, and welcome to Key Conversations for Leaders. I'm your host, John Ryan, and today we have a very special guest, Dr. Mike Horn. Uh, Mike coaches leaders to avoid, minimize, and reduce poor outcomes related to people and culture actions and decisions. Mike is advancing authenticity, leadership, in the world by coaching leaders to close the gap between probable and possible, and to bring the very best in every situation to spur innovation. Mike is the author of Integrity by Design, Working, Living Authentically. Thanks so much for being here, Mike. Appreciate you having me here.
1: Hi, John. I'm so delighted to be here with you and your audience today.
0: Wonderful. You know, Mike, in your work, you talk about authenticity and integrity. Would you mind taking a moment and just helping us to, to really understand what those terms mean to you, especially after your research into these concepts?
1: Sure, absolutely. Because they're different, uh, yet related concepts. Um, And we can explore them in a few ways. Uh, But first, maybe it's some definitions around them, right, Uh, to provide a bit of a framework. Does that sound about right?
0: That's exactly what I'm hoping for, yeah.
1: Okay. when I think about about integrity, and when we think about integrity, we think about something that is of whole cloth. It's the genuine article. it's as if uh, if I was uh, an engineer, a structural engineer, I might say that everything hangs together. And integrity is a construct or a concept, John, that gets tested over time uh, and it develops over time. Uh, it's different when you're a pre-teenager versus when you're in your 20s versus uh, in your 30s and later in life. Uh, I think about integrity sometimes as the Uh, Musical notes um, uh, that happen over the course of a lifetime. But it's the sense that I'm dealing with a genuine article. Um, When I think about authenticity, I think about my words and my actions align. And even better yet, uh, my thoughts, words, and actions align. The ABCs, attitudes, behaviors, and cognitions, everything's in alignment. And when that happens, and this is the word I like to use with, um, with authenticity, it's congruency. That when my thoughts, words, and actions align, the result is that I, I produce a, a sustained happiness. I don't mean the kind of happiness that comes with uh, uh, finding a new boyfriend or girlfriend or a partner or the kind that comes maybe with the birth of a child. But I mean this sort of uh, happiness. And what we know and why this is so important is that people enjoy working with and for happy people. Uh, Life is better, happier. Uh, One of my mentors used to say that he thought the purpose of coaching was to reduce suffering. It's more of a Buddhist approach. (laughs) I think of it as, you know, increasing happiness. So, you know, that's uh, one thing that uh, comes to mind when I think about uh, the concepts of integrity and authenticity. And on this path of authentic leadership, um, you know, it's so important because at the core of authentic leadership is trust, building a trusting relationship. And I don't think you've ever met a person where you've said, you know, I I trust that, I I don't trust that person. Usually when you think I don't trust that person, you think that person doesn't have integrity. Mm-hmm. Or if you say, "Oh, that person doesn't have integrity," you don't trust them. These concepts all sort of get related on our path and our push to bring more of who we are to what we do. John, that
0: makes sense. So the integrity is the foundation of trust, and authenticity. You said is is, is something related when I is that a they're overlapping ideas? Is that is that fair to say? Sure, I, yeah. because
1: I think you know authenticity, uh, given this congruency um that we find it's affected by the kind of values you operate from right a set of humanistic values I think you know works for me because I don't know about your world but I've encountered some authentic jerks (laughs) (laughs) so I'm talking about starting from a place based on humanistic values right that I find uh uh dignity in everyone I treat others with respect Uh, I grow uh, inclusion around me by having diverse ideas and diverse people around me. And these are all the things that that create a place for all of us to bring more of who we are to what we do. And, you know, I often ask people, where can you be more authentic, at work or at home? (laughs) The predictable answer is people say, oh, not at work. Right. So there's just so much left on the table, right? People feel that they can be more of who they are at home and less so at work. Look, I'm not adverse to uh, and uh, I'm not blind uh, to all of the isms that apply in workplaces and groups and teams. Um, And we need to create cultures where our uh, desires to bring more of who we are to what we do match our intents.
0: So there's layers of implication in what I'm hearing. One is that integrity, the alignment of attitudes, behaviors, and cognitions, thoughts, feelings, emotions, behaviors, values, alignment as well. That's great for a happiness, internal fulfillment kind of thing. But you're also extending into the leadership role is that also people want to follow people who are happy, who have that integrity and authenticity. And you know what you're getting because if you don't have that, you don't have trust. And you really don't have a very good relationship as well.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, sometimes people ask me, well, is it okay to lie? And I always laugh at that question. Uh, You know, why are you asking me that? But what I do know, (laughs) based on observation, uh, as a consultant and as an executive in uh, some very large global corporations, is that when an executive or when a person, a manager, tells a lie, it's difficult to recover. It's not impossible, uh, but it starts to erode trust, and that makes it difficult to produce remarkable results.
0: I can see that. So that, not that that's necessarily your focus is how to, or maybe it is part of your focus, is how to rebuild that trust afterwards. If someone has a misstep and they uh, say one thing and it's not accurate and they erode the trust they have, I imagine that can take quite a long to repair that because people have long memories, especially the more significant it is in terms of their world.
1: Oh, I think you have to think about all of this as having recovery. And I think there are skills that executives and leaders uh, uh, employ uh, in order to invite people in, to trust more, uh, to regain. Look, a lot of the people that I work with, a lot of the executives that I work with, C-suite leaders, uh, and aspiring uh, folks getting to the C-suite, these are people who advanced uh, because of their smarts, their technical expertise, um, not their leadership qualities. <laughs> you know, despite what social science research tells us that you know we should select for leadership qualities, not technical expertise. Most of the folks that I work with are technical experts and they're very accomplished and they've been driven by excellence and hard work. And a lot of these kinds of um, skills that are required uh, to lead authentically need to be developed, need to be reawakened, need to be uh, established around goals because these people don't want to find themselves out of touch. And Everything that's going on in the world in terms of the great resignation taking place, uh, people saying, you know, what's in it for me uh, to come back to this environment? Not everyone, right? But those who are privileged and uh, lucky to have these situations, we're going to need leaders who connect better with people, more authentically with people, and who can lean in uh, to uh, accomplish great things.
0: You identified that people obviously find it much easier to be more authentic at home than they do at work. What are the biggest barriers that we have to being authentic and taking that risk? Obviously, you said there's the authentic jerks who are not necessarily having the humanistic values, but to really, because I imagine there's some vulnerability and some risk involved in, in being authentic, or is that an illusion perhaps?
1: Oh, I don't think it's an illusion, but we'd have to fire over, you know, however many managers there are in America, like 12 million managers or something. You know, (laughs) it would require like retraining an entire, and I don't think anybody's prepared for that. Um, So we have to think about ways that we can let go of some of our old ideas about leadership, which, uh, you know, is happening. If one thing the, you know, global pandemic has brought us, it's, Uh, it's accelerated some of the shifts that were happening in the workplace already, right? What about the five-day work week? What about, you know, working from home? What about working remotely? What about, you know, your need to see me? Uh, All of these concepts are in shift and in flux, and uh, that puts us in a demand for leaders who have to do two things, you know, at the base maybe to demonstrate their authenticity. If I was to, you know, shape the construct into ideas. One would be, you've got to care. Uh, you got to show that you care if you don't care. And the second thing is you've got to be willing to do the work. Uh, and, and this is, you know, with the folks with whom I'm privileged to work with, you know, they're often able to get to that second corner, which is uh, to say, you know, I'm willing to do some work on this because I don't want to find myself on the outside looking in.
0: When people care and when they do the work, when they have those two qualities, what is the downside that they might experience along the way? What are the risks that they're experiencing when they are doing the work and they're being vulnerable and, and going down that path? Mm-hmm. The downside
1: is called learning and growth. Awesome. And I I think that's, you know, more of an upside, usually. Sure. Uh, uh, We're, you know, we're conditioned, I I think, as adults to believe that learning is fun, right? Um, There used to be corporate euphemisms, you know, if you, uh, uh, you know, if you can't make it, just fake it, right? Um, Learning isn't fun. Uh, Most learning that I've engaged in that I've helped uh, others with, it's full of anxiety, it's full of stress, it's a but uh, you know it, it, you, you get as one of my mentors used to say in grave danger of growing and uh, this is why we you know need helpers along the way and confident competent people are able to ask for help
0: that makes sense so when someone is on that path are there any indications or things they should look out if they're not being authentic or if perhaps the culture at large is not in alignment with the corporate values?
1: Well, corporations are generally displeasing uh, to most of us, I think. Um, I'll tell you, my you know, I had an illusion uh, earlier in life that organizations were paragons of virtue, that they were about mission, purpose, group work, teamwork, you know, all Wait, Didn't, Mike,
0: that's not true?
1: I, you know, I learned uh, early that organizations, you know, and that's what attracted me to the field of organization development, organization behavior. I mean, that belief about uh, the possibility to, to make out of our differences great, you know, uh, great creativity. What you learn, I think, is that organizations are full of politics and backstabbing and, you, you know, the need to grow, uh, and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow more and I think all of this we have to put into balance with um you know what it really takes to succeed.
0: So you broke that illusion, I'm guessing, and you've come to recognize that okay, not all as it seems in in corporate America. I imagine you gotta believe that that things can change. And of course, we're not gonna wipe the, the slate clean and start over, but we're gonna work with what we have now. Is there hope to have a more authentic workforce where people can um, express and be in alignment on those levels you talked about earlier?
1: John, you can always make the grass greener where you are. I don't say, I don't I, you know, I should, I should limit my. Uh, you can usually make the grass greener where you are. Not always, but you can usually make the grass greener where you are. And I don't think I've ever encountered, with one exception, a leader who wasn't concerned about growth. And, you know, organizations are uh, all enterprises, human enterprise. Um, and uh, growth, uh, you know, at at its... Um, at its best, in a team, members express you know great care for the personal, and professional growth of each other, and that can scale and that can replicate. You know, it can replicate from a team of eight to uh, an organization uh, of some size if people, are, if leaders, have the values discussion.
0: And I imagine it's got to be more than the discussion because so many companies have had the values conversation and they print them out and they have posters everywhere, but the behaviors don't align, which is integrity, which is exactly what you're talking about. So I imagine it's got to translate into the action part.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, there are so many great examples. I mean, the classic example uh, is Enron. The number one uh, value in Enron was integrity. Uh, that didn't work out too well for them. <laughs> uh, we saw that repeated at Wells Fargo, uh, where integrity was a corporate value. What are they on their Fourth CEO now in the last few years? I'm not sure. Uh, you can see it in the shift of how uh, executive compensation and uh, golden parachutes have now been transformed in the United States and in other places, where even uh, inappropriate conduct doesn't prevent or preclude. The payout of a large golden parachute, and there, you know, look at the uh, McDonald CEO, look at one of the United Airlines CEO. You know, we've come to sometimes I think uh, different terms or different concepts of this, and yet, you know, we need to remain a- a- empathetic and empathic with one another
0: are there any things, any suggestions or guidelines you'd recommend for leaders who want to bring, want to be more authentic for themselves and also create a culture of authenticity and integrity?
1: Mm-hmm. Say hello. It's that simple. Yeah, it's our oldest and best technology. Um, when I, uh, you know, I think often we're, we get, you know, so tied up in our work that we see each other as elements of production, you know, cogs in the wheel, uh, hamsters on the wheel. Uh, And, you know, it's not really, well, you know, John, how are you? It's John, I need this, Uh, you know, I need this report. I need this thing. And that keeps it at a pretty transactional level, but I don't know what happened to you, John, you know, five minutes uh, before we met uh, or what will happen to you 10 minutes after we uh, conclude today. But I do know that I have this moment in time with you right now. And the easiest way to start that is to say hello to you. (laughs) I love it. Yeah.
0: When there are difficult conversations, let's say feedback performance. And of course, there's different realms and spectrums of directness, indirectness, and things like that as well.
1: Now, you're a smart guy on this. You teach this. I mean, you've got a repertoire of skill around this. Right.
0: Sure, I I I love talking about communication and feedback. That's what you know, learning growth is all about. How to best inspire and motivate others. Is there if someone's being authentic and they have integrity and they're coming at it with, let's say, a positive intention, um, should there be any like framing and like you know, hand holding, or can you get straight to the point, or do we have to really consider the best way to get through to this person in that moment versus me just saying, hey, I'm just being authentic and saying what's true for me.
1: Right. So uh, self-awareness is great. And it's a cornerstone to authentic leadership, to the development of authentic leadership so that you can use yourself, you can use your agency, uh, you can um, have um, yourself available to use. Uh, Jung, Carl Jung, the Swiss psychoanalyst, I think uh, said it best. One is that the greatest privilege in a lifetime is becoming the person you are, becoming who you are. Um, Secondly, that the um, ability to accept your current state is so important and fundamental to any change. And that thirdly, in in order to make growth, in order to make progress, uh, I mean, we, we accept this state of where we are.
0: So it's it's an acceptance of what is yet the inherent desire to be more and being okay with where you are and where you're going along the way. Am I hearing that? Sure.
1: I I think so. Right. I mean, uh, uh, um, most people come to me, I, I think, or come to this approach because one, they're dealing with issues of scale. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm a manager and now I'm a manager of managers, maybe I'm leading a division in an organization. So they have scale issues. Oftentimes they have, um, you know, feedback issues, uh, issues of which they're not completely uh, or quite aware. And they and they need some help uh, to address those issues. And, and then at other times, people have uh, executives have personal goals that they want to achieve. Right. They want to. uh be more effective in their uh development of others they want to be uh improved in their uh in their ability to help others to chart goals so i think all of that you know conspires to uh, create cases or approaches for uh this the possibility of growth and uh, development no innovation happens without that say so the last part again please Sorry. No innovation happens without that, you know, innovation. Without, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Excellent. Thank you so
0: much. And thank you for clarifying. I mean,
1: performance management yeah. is often such a, you know, I'll give you feedback and point out your deficiencies despite again, you know, working with people's strengths and, 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 and uh, a focus on that. I, I think our abilities are often geared more to find fault with others and organizations.
0: I can appreciate it. So it's almost against our own predisposition to to focus on the strengths that we inherently go towards the negative. Do you think that's part of our own psychology? I
1: think for a lot of uh, executives, uh, natural born problem solvers, uh, natural born uh, decision makers, people who are in a hurry to succeed. uh, You know, this is why it's so important to, uh, you know, focus on interpersonal relationships and getting the right people uh together on a team or in a group for uh work that can be uh you know just extraordinary
0: excellent mike just one last question you know here at key conversations for leaders we believe that conversations are key to growth change and communicating the integrity and authenticity that we have can you think or would you mind sharing with us like a conversation perhaps that you've had either personally or professionally that had a profound impact on you in your life
1: hmm um the question was, you know, what if you did care? <laughs> uh, from my uh, mentor Edie Seashore uh, who was uh, a legend in the human potential movement in sure. MTL and NTL uh, and probably trained Dave Bradford one of your uh, recent podcast guests.
0: Sure.
1: Um, I remember being in a group with Edie at one point and I said, I don't care about that or whatever. And uh, the question about, you know, what if you did care? <laughs> I think it ignited a lifetime of learning for me.
0: Amazing. Simple, elegant. What a gift.
1: Yeah. Thank you what so a much. Gift.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that with us and our listeners yeah. as well.
1: I often think about feedback, John, too. And I know we're at a close. Um, but, you know, some have talked about the feedback being the breakfast of champions, to use an old phrase. But one of the things that I learned as well from the seashores was that feedback often says more about the giver than it does the receiver, and there's some truth to that. <laughs> um, so, you know, what we do to help others uh, in, in this great, you know, profession of coaching and is the ability to ask for feedback. You know, to inquire of somebody. Well, how am I, you know? Because it really helps you to learn about the other person. What can be more important than uh, developing a meaningful, productive, relevant, and inspiring relationship with another person?
0: Absolutely worth it as an addendum. Addendum
1: Thank you, John. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for indulging me in that.
0: Of course. No, I appreciate it. I I could talk to you for hours, and uh, I know it's definitely coming to our time. Uh, Quick question. What is the best way for our viewers and listeners to get in touch with you and find out more about your work and authenticity and integrity?
1: mike horn h-o-r-n-e.com that'll point you in all of my uh directions and uh for those on social media you'll find me on uh Twitter, LinkedIn uh and uh, Facebook and tune into my podcast Authentic Change with Mike Horn but you'll find out all about it at mike-horn.com.
0: Excellent. I'll put a link to all of those social media platforms awesome. in our notes as well. And uh Dr. Mike, thanks so much for being here. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you, John. I've so enjoyed uh, our time together, and uh, thank you.
0: And for those of you watching and listening, until next time, develop yourself, empower others, and lead by example. Thanks for listening to Key Conversations for Leaders with your host, John Ryan. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know. Give us a rating or write a review. And if you'd like to connect with me and other like-minded leaders, I invite you to join our Facebook group called Develop, Empower, and Lead, where I deliver free live training every week. If you go to developempowerlead.com, it will redirect you right there. Hope to see you there soon.